Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Squad Room, the podcast devoted to creating and optimizing a healthy and probably more importantly, fulfilling life for first responders all around the world. I'm your host, Garrett Taslam, a sergeant for a sheriff's department here in Southern California. And on the show, I talk to experts in a variety of fields looking for those, looking for those force multipliers that I can apply to my own life. I want to make myself and you happier and healthier so we can tackle these challenging careers we have with energy and focus. And the entire purpose of this podcast is to make myself better and let you listen in on the conversations that I'm having and try and share what I'm learning with you. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that you can go and get more information on this episode, including show notes and links, by going to thesquadroom.net. And you can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at thesquadroom. We had to take an unexpected break. Uh, you probably you might have noticed. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. I, I don't think I'm that important. But maybe some of you noticed that we had to take a couple weeks off. I uh, we had some scheduling conflicts, and then I, of course, got sick and lost my voice last week when we were supposed to have our current our guest on, uh, today's guest. Uh, couldn't talk. Just couldn't do it. So uh, we had to reschedule and had to push it a week. I've been good in the first half of this year, if you, if you have noticed, of, of, of an episode every week. Uh, since January, but uh, we had to take a couple weeks off because, you know, that's what happens. Life gets in the way. But our guest today is Adam LaRue. Adam's a former Navy SEAL, and he's now the, uh, and he's also the founder now and the man in charge of O2X.com. Or actually, it's O2X. O2X.com is his website. But Adam's uh, devoted to all, all, all he does now is train and teach first responders, fire and uh, fire, EMS, and police teaches them on different aspects of human performance. Um, And, of course, that includes the physical stuff, but also the mental stuff and all the stuff that goes around it. He's got advisors on his board uh, and and who come out and instruct that we've had on the show before, like uh, Dr. Kirk Parsley. So uh, it's a good conversation with Adam. We talked to him about the mental aspects of trying to uh, stay on it. That's certainly my challenge right now is is keeping the focus. Uh, We talk about specific uh, actionable things we can do. Uh, with our fitness, uh, we talk about working around shift work, um, you know, a wide variety of stuff. And uh, really interesting stuff. Adam's a great guy. We got introduced by former guest Kevin Flyke, who uh, the Green Beret, who we had on the show, who had been shot in the hip and almost bled out. So uh, uh, obviously he's in good company. So here we are with Adam LaRue of O2X. Adam LaRue, thanks for being on the show. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Guy. I appreciate it. So I wanted to dive into uh, why you're on the show. And I think you have an interesting background and then a progression into what you do nowadays. But t- tell us, uh, take, take us back to little Adam, but not that little, I guess. But, you know, what, what have you been doing uh, uh, um, that got you to this point? What, tell us a little bit about who you are. Uh, background wise. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, for one, thanks for having me on the show. You know, I'm, kinda, I'm, honored, to, I'm honored to be on and, uh, you know, I appreciate you, you guys reaching out and, uh, you know, it's, it's something that we're O2X. We're extremely passionate about helping tactical athletes, you know, police, fire, military, um, EMS, department of Corrections. So anything that we could do to kind of get the word out and kind of help those who help us is, 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 uh, in line with our mission. So I appreciate that right up front. Mm-hmm. Um, a little background on myself. I, I grew up in New Jersey, um, went to, um, you know, played sports my entire life. Um, you know, fairly, uh, uh, competitive with, um, you know, mainly baseball, soccer. Um, I wanted to go to a military academy. I wanted, I was pursuing, um, my dream of like serving in the military and I wanted to get my commission. I wanted to go to a, a military academy. Um, I wanted to, you know, go down, uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, go into the SEAL teams is something that I, I, I saw, you know, I got familiar with them at a, at a pretty young age and I saw like the values that they had and the, the values aligned with, with my values and the, fa- the values that like, you know, really I grew up with, you know, kind of instilled by, you know, my, my mother and father. Um, and so, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to, to get picked up by the, uh, Merchant Marine Academy. So I went to the U S Merchant Marine Academy. Um, and, uh, you know, I, a little bit of an unconventional route to go into the SEAL teams from there. Uh, but I, you know, you get your commission. Not many people knew that about the, the Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point. It's like one of the federal five federal academies, and, uh, you know, what it kind of gives you the opportunity to do is you go in the Navy, Army, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard. You can stay in the Merchant Marine. So, you know, it's, it's quite of, uh, you know, quite a different experience, a breadth of education, um, pretty hands on. Looked very interesting to me um, and, you know, unique that, you know, no one ever went to SEALs before from the school, but you can get a commission, any branch of service. So, you know, I, I figured, uh, you know, why not, um, you know, it's just 
great group of great group of people. I could continue to play sports there. Um, I was lucky enough to get picked up my my senior year um, for for buds, and I went out to to SEAL training um, when I graduated and spent about eleven and a half years in the military. Uh, I got out of the military and um, you know just transitioning, looking to get back into some education. Um, social impact, social entrepreneurship was something that I was really passionate about. I wanted to, I knew I was leaving a passion and a dream. I got to live my dream um, being in the military and uh, serving in the SEAL teams. And then I was looking for another passion. And I knew from volunteer work, I did a lot of volunteer work with um, cancer foundations because it, yeah, it kind of directly affected my family. You know, I got into um, uh, Harvard Kennedy School and, uh, you know, I focused on like social impact and social entrepreneurship. And I went over to uh, the Harvard Innovation Lab, took advantage of, you know, a very elective driven program. I got to take classes at Harvard Business School, MIT. I got to visit uh, like the law school and kind of just see the breadth of education as I was making my transition, which was critical to kind of see what was out there. Um, You know, I started a uh, nonprofit called One Summit uh, right when I got out. Um, it's kind of like my, my transition project, I would say it was, uh, basically taking children battling cancer and, uh, building resilience in those children battling cancer. Um, you know, so we partner them with a, uh, a Navy SEAL. We, it's kind of counterintuitive. We induce a little bit more adversity into their life that uh, they already have enough going on. Um, but that program is, has continued to grow and expand. We actually just did another, uh, a climb. So we take them rock climbing teach them some, some skills to for help them to battle their disease. And, uh, you know, I started with that. But right around the same time, a few months in, I uh, started this company called O2X with a couple close friends, and uh, one of which I was in the military with, another uh, who got it, was in the, also in the SEAL teams but got out uh, quite a while back. Um, we were all at very interesting transitions um, from some corporate sector, military service, school, and we came together, and it was either uh, – it was either human performance education or a brewery, and we ended up going with the, uh, the human performance education component. So I don't know, man. That's a tough call because, especially these days, <laughs> bre- breweries are definitely popping up. But I would kind of be inclined towards a brewery myself, I guess. So uh, transitions, um, that, that's kind of, transitions is kind of a common theme of the show. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, you, got to, you say you lived your dream 11 years in the teams. Um, but I, I'm curious about what caused you or what inspired you or whatever it was what was that callous for leaving the teams and was it because you found something new or because you had kind of been there done that you know it it was a tough decision it really was um it was you know one of the toughest decisions in my life to leave something that you absolutely love like you live in your dream i wanted to challenge myself and um you know out in the private sector i've had very entrepreneurial mindset um you know my family my dad started you know he you know, was in sales his whole life. And he, he had, he had a very entrepreneurial mindset. Um, of course, when you're in the military, when you're, you know, kicking over, you're trying to see further faster. And I think that you see a lot of veterans starting their own businesses because, you know, they, uh, you know, they're, you know, they had to be entrepreneurial. They had to be innovative because, you know, you kind of have what you have overseas and you have to solve, you're kicking over stones and seeing problems that there's no solutions for. So you have to do that. So I really wanted to, you know, try my hand in entrepreneurship, start my own company. Um, you know, a part of it was family too. I spent a lot of time, uh, a lot of time away, not, at, you know, not as uh, much as some of the other guys who've done it for 20, 30 years. You know, I look at the, some of the enlisted guys that I serve with and, you know, um, those, you know, when they have 14, 15 combat deployments. So I spent, you know, roughly most of my time uh, outside training deployed and, you know, I was looking to go back to school and basically a combination of all those, all those things just felt like it was time. Mm-hmm. So you go out, you get, you end up with a master's in public administration from uh, Harvard Kennedy School of Government, right? Yeah, that's right. And so uh, now I'm connecting the dots to how you know Kevin Flake, our guest from, uh, I forget which episode, but uh, Green Beret, who got dual degrees from MIT and Harvard at the same time. Yeah, I don't know about guys like that, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it make us look bad. <laughs> okay, I'm glad to hear that from a guy who's uh, <laughs> who's got a uh, academy commission and then 11 years in the teams and a uh, Harvard grad say the same thing that I think when I think, oh my gosh, how on earth? Does he accomplish? He's a fantastic guy, and I'm glad that he connected us up. So, <clears throat> so you just you you 
you go against your better judgment about the brewery and you decide to open O2X with some friends. But tell us about what O2X is because that's what the meat and potatoes is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so at O2X, we're, we're revolutionizing human performance. So, you know, we have an education program that trains tactical athletes to not only get to peak performance, but to, the real part is sustainability of peak performance over time. Um, you know, a, a professional athlete, a football player, you talk about an average career is like 3.3 years. Um, you know, you have a tactical athlete, whether it's police, fire, military. I mean, you, you're talking about a 30-year career, and there's a lot of things associated with it. There's, you know, um, shift work and sleep disturbances. Um, there's uh, stress management. There's nutrition component and energy energy management. There's, you know, things on cognitive function. Um, building resilience, conditioning, proper injury prevention. So all these things uh, tied in together. And, you know, we always, well, I always wanted a, a full curriculum to understand the why behind what we were doing. So, you know, it, it's just a principle of, a, you know, teach a, you know, teach someone to fish, you know, they're, instead of catching the fish for them, that is, you know, the foundation. You understand why hydration is important, how much to fuel, um, or how much you need to eat for optim, optimal energy or how they sleep and shift work, you know, impact your performance. Like understanding that why was always very curious to me. And we basically whittled our experiences down. We learned from some great people, learned from people that are our best in practice in their field, uh, formed a, a group of about 40 specialists and uh, put a curriculum together uh, that has made a significant impact in the uh, the fire service, but also police and some uh, other tactical units around the country. So the term tactical athlete, we use that a lot. <clears throat> I, I, I'm curious sometimes if that's just a, uh, if, if it's a term we use to feel good, you know, and, I, and we use the example of we are an athlete, we need to treat ourselves as athletes. Is that, but is the idea of a tactical athlete, is that something that's embraced in the military as well? Yeah, I would say it is embraced in the military. Um, where it, we thought it was a very common term when you get into the civilian world, or you know, when you're dealing with uh, you know, kind of civil service, it's it's unfamiliar. It's a very unfamiliar term. Hmm. Um, it really is. Uh, you know, we could use the term tactical athlete to the to the firefighters. I think they're empowered by that. So, like, we should think of ourselves a little bit like that. It's a it's a, uh, a combination of a physically, mentally, and emotionally demanding job. Um, you know, it's, you need the same type of skill sets to play professional athletics, but there's a limit to your career. And also there's a limit to how much you're, you're making money. So you don't have the luxury of, you know, having massage tables and ice baths and all these things and living a, a, a different life that a professional athlete could do or the infrastructure is there. So it becomes a little bit more challenging. Not all first responders have, um, like human performance facility. So that's why O2X exists. We're, we're expeditionary in nature. It's to complement what they're already doing um, and to help on the education, uh, the training, to provide, you know, basically the science and evidence behind what we're doing so they understand um, if they're going to do something wrong, they at least understand they're doing something wrong. So it seems to me the first step in getting someone to, uh, you know, improve their health and, and maybe get the buy-in uh, on what you do is 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 proving to them that they are a tactical athlete, and you kind of touched on it right there. But and I have my own definition that I've professed on the show before. But you know, what is that conversation you have with someone when you say when you try to get them to shift their paradigm from "I'm just a cop who runs a beat and pushes a black and white patrol car around all day long" to "No, you're you're a tactical athlete." How do you what do you tell them? Well, you know, the example I would use for like say a firefighter is like for one, you know, they are you know, look at, look at their injury rates, right? You can't argue about data and numbers. Um, a large department that we work with, um, you know, in, uh, in the Northeast, you know, there's roughly over 1500 firefighters. Well, the injury rates like 60 to 70%. And everybody knows that you're talking about 198 shoulder surgeries a year. You got lower back, you got cervical issues, you got knee issues. And then you're talking about 30% sleep apnea, you're talking about uh, 28 heart attacks a year. Uh, you have uh, cancer. Like every three weeks, a firefighter in this department gets diagnosed with cancer because of the carcinogens that they're breathing in on these things. So it's quite alarming. The, um, there, there's not much convincing because they know there's a, a, 
a quite a health crisis, and they also know the effects of their job and the impact that they've had. The, the probably the tougher um, the tougher guys to talk to are some of the younger guys, the new recruits that are coming in, and we all did it, right? Like we all came in very very young and very fit. We don't need to have to worry about recovery as much, um, or we didn't think we did. Um, we were able to, you know, go out and perform and recover quick and go out and not get hurt because we were, you know, essentially like a, you know, like a new elastic band. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you, you got to save those guys from themselves because what they don't see is like the injuries that are going to come, the impact of the over, uh, overuse or the uh, overhead work, um, or, you know, the stresses of their job. Um, I think they've all seen things, um, like whether it's suicide, depression, PTSD, um, that's all prevalent in their job, and um, they they realize after a little bit of awareness um, and visibility behind those issues that they're they're all ears and they're a hundred percent bought in. So you 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 find more that uh, it's interesting that you find the uh, the older guys maybe are more open to your methods because they've experienced the negative side effects. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? Yeah, in some ways. I mean, you know, they well they know they they've seen their friends you know, die. Right. Um, they've been, you know, plagued with injuries themselves. What I have problems with, um, kind of educating them on it's a, if it doesn't matter if you're two months away from a retirement or two years is that, you know, you have to, um, it's never too late to plant a tree. Like just because you're at the end of your career does not mean that it's over. Does not mean that, um, we hear this common, very common, uh, use that say, Oh, I wish I, I wish I had this 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I, ha- I wish I had this when it came in and convincing them it's not too late is a big component of what our program does. It's very approachable. Um, I think people come in, they think we're going to put them through a, a special operations training program. And it is because it's a, well, it's a human performance program and it's science-based. We have the world's best specialists come in and there's a lot of research and data behind we do in that case it is, but we're not we're not crushing people. We're not putting people in the surf zone and throwing logs around. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You brought up a big word, sustainability. And it's something that, you know, like you mentioned, you, you've got to look over the course of a 30-year career, but on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis as well. So what are your methods for maintain, maintaining momentum? And I, I'll use myself as an example, right? Because that's typically what the show does. I, I use myself as the uh, what not to do <laughs> or what I haven't, you know, what, don't do because I did it. Um, but we had Tony Horton on a couple uh, episodes ago. Tony Horton, of course, from P90X and all those mm-hmm. things, right? And he always talked. Yeah. He talked in this. He had a really good moment where he talked about being before he got to be Tony Horton, the fit guy. He was Tony Horton, the couch potato, and he was always what he called the fifty-fifty guy, which was you know fifty percent of the time he was a hundred percent towards his health and fitness, and the other fifty percent of the time he was not. Right? Yeah. And I yeah. that just I. I laughed at that because, like, man, that is that is me on most days. So yeah. how do you get people to get that sustainability and momentum, not just for 30 years, but just for the next month? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think structuring a program that works for that person's life, uh, first and foremost, everybody is different. They may have a, a very similar job, but you have to look at what they uh, – for one, the, need, the needs analysis. What needs they you – know, what do they have to perform? What do they need to do? And then, okay, let's take a step back and look at this person's life. I don't care if it's you know, – they're married, they have kids, they're single. I mean you have to look at – do they have equipment? Do they not have equipment? Um, what's their time and availability? And you develop a program that's sustainable to them. There are certain things that you could – hey, listen, we all wish we, we could train like Olympic athletes. Um, and people are cooking our meals or have the meals and we have a cafeteria. But the reality is we don't have that. Not many people do have that. Um, and so when you structure something that is achievable and that you can make small incremental steps every single day that have a large, a large impact overall, that is, you know, that's our approach. Um, you know, the small steps of, you know, it's, it could be something like preparing your meals or, or for people that have say more discipline issues, you're planning your cheat meals because realistic expectations, and this happens, some of our specialists get up there, they're, you know, they're, they're winning races. They're probably fairly intimidating to the group that were there. They're like, I just, I just don't count my grapes and almonds. I'm sorry. Right. And I can empathize with that. And so to make something that's approachable and to kind of understand their lifestyle and also understand that there's a, there's a cultural component 
um, of police service, fire service, military service, the tactical athlete world. There's a lot of work hard, play hard type uh, components. There's a teamwork um, and camaraderie. Um, there could be big meals that they that they um, they have a ton of. Um, you know, that's where they do all their good debriefing. Listen, we're not trying to talk people out of that. And that program would not be realistic. And there's a lot of programs out there that are like, you have to do this. You have to do that. And what we say is like, hey, we're telling you what's what's right, what's wrong. But we also know that you, like, you have to live your life. And, you know, whether it's an 80-20 rule, whether it's, hey, uh, looking at your your lifestyle and structuring something that you can kind of work into is that's if that's right for you and we can get you to make improvements well that's a first step towards uh mastering something so it's kind of like a it definitely is a uh, small little victories equal a big victory in the in the long run so you you meant just mentioned the 80 20 rule um which is always i think a good way to to frame things and again as i say in the intro to the show i'm looking for force multipliers right the the smallest things that can make the biggest impact what are you know if someone's coming into you and they buy into the idea that they need to be a tactical athlete. They're not sure where to start, um, but, you know, their conditioning isn't up to par. Uh, f- you know, food is kind of your general co- your standard cop, you know, takeout or fast food or, uh, you know, try to be healthy, but you're still eating on the road. You know, like we mistake sometimes eating healthy with having like a Chipotle burrito bowl, not the burrito. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the th- like? What are those three things that you would put someone on immediately? Those first three things you would do that are the biggest force multipliers to get someone on track. Well, a big thing, Garrett, is, is education um, because a lot of times they don't know the difference between a, a burrito and a bowl, um, and and how that works. Um, you know, I think that there's a component of our our program that is providing education and eliminating a lot of this guesswork. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're surrounded by things, especially in nutrition, like diets or fads or like, Hey, listen, food is food. There's some food that has more nutritional value than others, but like, you know, let's not start labeling things here. Um, let's educate like what are physiological impacts to, you know, eating constantly hard, uh, high carbs or junk food or, you know, snacks. And then let's look at that person's, um, lifestyle, um, if you're looking at a police officer that's, you know, it's on the street all the time and then he's working, um, then he's working, uh, overtime or part-time, um, in between, well, you know, listen, we have to, what we even do at O2X, we go through and we analyze all the places that they're surrounding. Like, okay, is 7-Eleven your number one food stop? Like it's not Whole Foods, it's 7-Eleven. Okay, well, we'll take a look at that. Like, what are your common stops that are they, oh, this is around my firehouse. This is around my police station. This is where I stop. Well, let me give you and alleviate all doubt. I will give you the cheat sheets on the like the bars to use, um, some quick fixes, some little little items that you can bring uh, to optimize energy. But to kind of get back to your your question, I think there's an education component, so they understand the what's right and what's wrong, or what's a better what's a better choice. Like you can still walk into Starbucks and kind of, you know, uh, you know, pick a pick a breakfast sandwich versus you know, going and, and picking the, the yogurt parfait, which is like 40 grams of sugar in it. They don't know it. They're mm. just sitting there. And it's like the yogurt thing sounds, it doesn't taste as good. So it probably is better for me. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's the way I, I thought, you know, back in the day, I was like, well, this one tastes, you know, th- this doesn't taste as good. So it's probably healthier. Um, it, but it, it's not that. So at least we have them making better decisions to understand that I'd rather you have, rather you have to eat something than not eat something, but let's make something approachable. Hey, listen, no one's sitting there making you an egg white omelet and, you know, scrambling up things for you, <clears throat> you know, or, you know, a nice Greek, uh, you know, Greek yogurt parfait or whatever, but let's take a look at your lifestyle. Let's take a look at the movement, let's see the areas you go in. Um, some quick things that we see, and it's really a lot of the problems that we see is that, you know, say the, uh, the, the hydration component, um, like the number one cause of, of daytime fatigue is, is dehydration. Um, and what I need, people aren't just drinking enough water. Um, they're not drinking enough water. I mean, there could be difference between, um, like, say, a firefighter, police officer, Department of Corrections, uh, military guy that, that's based out in Arizona versus somebody that's in New York, mm-hmm. right? Um, there is um, a component where they don't know that they wake up, depends on what they did the, the day before, but they could wake up 1% to 2% dehydrated. And two to three percent, or three percent dehydrated, is the equivalent reaction time to having like three drinks of alcohol, 
right? <laughs> so you kind of so those types of components, you're like, you know, you, at the minimum, you got to wake up and have some water. You're probably going to be dehydrated, right? Mm-hmm. And then depending on your physical, you know, your activity, your physical activity, your the activity of your job, are you sitting at a desk or in your car all day? Are you sitting at the firehouse, or, or do you have 22 calls a day, and you're constantly on the truck, off the truck, back to the house, another call, on the truck, off the truck. Okay, so like, what can we do there? Can we pre-stage? Um, can we pre-stage? Can we put, you know, basically a bottle of water in your boot, so you know every single single time you can put that in your pocket, or you put that in your your turnout gear or your bunker gear, so you have it. You pre-stage. Uh, you know, like say, uh, bars, you know, you're like, Hey, you're going to go fight a fire for like six to eight hours. You, would you go run a marathon with like no fuel in you? You wouldn't do that. So then why would you go put yourself in a similar situation with a similar exertion left? If not more, we put yourself in a bad situation to underperform. So uh, one of the things I, cause you know, a lot, we have a lot of mostly cops to listen to the show, some firemen, but mostly cops. One of the things that I've done, uh, to, that's kind of like that in terms of staging or what I've been calling or, what my coach had called uh, nutritional go bags, uh, you know, and for the, for the cops know what a go bag is, Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but it's basically just a Ziploc bag of beef jerky, almonds or cashews, uh, a protein shake, uh, a bottle of water, and um, hopefully some fruit or something like that, something sustainable. But those things that I, if I get stuck on perimeter or uh, at a forest fire or any of those other things that can be delayed, you know, hours and hours, crime scene, that sort of stuff, I have that with me and I, I, not only am I not uh, dipping my energy, but I'm not then rushing off to McDonald's because I'm starving, uh, you know, at the end when I get cleared from that assignment. Um, yeah. So, but it's interesting about hydration. I didn't know that that had such a, a, a huge impact. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, think about most people's days and, you know, sometimes water is not a big, a big part of it. Um, and, or at least a, even a focus. And it's hard because you don't, if you don't feel thirsty, um, you know, maybe some people don't drink water. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing. It's like you got to get ahead of it. By the time you feel thirsty, you're already dehydrated. By the time you feel hungry, well, your blood sugar's already dropped. So, I mean, to try to get ahead of these things, um, to try to understand about blood sugar stabilization, to understand, hey, listen, you know, you're trying to keep, you know, you're trying to keep yourself in optimum energy. Um, you're trying to keep where your your muscles replenished and you're, you know, you're you're burning fat and you're feeling good, right? Mm-hmm. You're, sp- you're eating too many carbs. You're sitting there not doing enough activity. Okay, now that spikes. Well, what's that going to do? Well, that's going to have it give you a, a, a big high, and it's also going to it's going to give you a big low. Um, and most people sit there during the day, and they're just kind of bouncing consistently between the highs and the lows, and the highs and the lows, and their energy's all over the place. Um, so you know, like you like you mentioned, like those types of tips, whether it's you know buying a um, sack of oat mega. Uh, bars, um, or, you know, pre-staging some, you know, buying up, uh, some fruit during the day or some cheese sticks, uh, making your, making your meals in the beginning making like little quick little snacks that you can take with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff is, is going to make a big difference. And it also, for you usually make, we all have, um, you know, we get hungry, you know, we, it's like, uh, it's, we, we kind of make, uh, some bad decisions, right? Yeah. You know, you're like, all right, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I guess maybe we may, may, may I the same thing about drinking. I don't know. <laughs> you know right. Yeah. Um, but that type of, um, that type of stuff, just pre-plan and, mm-hmm. you know, when you're really hungry and you're driving by, you know, driving by, uh, you know, by a McDonald's, you're less likely to, you're going by. Yeah. So do you guys prescribe or do you, um, um, prescribed to a particular diet or is it more just about moderation? No, we don't. Uh, we basically say quality. We stand away from the whole like term diet cause it just has like a stigma to it. Like, Hey, all right, a dieting dieting sounds like some brutal thing that we have to do. You know, um, it sounds like you're, 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 you're doing, you're doing something because you have to, um, uh, cause you're overweight or you're not in control. So it's like, Hey, listen, we're not looking at diets. We're basically like, listen, let's like meal planning performance here. It all comes back down to, um, eating food, real food. Um, and that's what we tell people. It's like all these things that are out there. It's like, what it all comes back to is eating real food and real food gets back to uh, uh, quality, quantity, and timing. So you start with high quality foods if you can, right? Like that's what you want to start with. Um, the quantity of food you eat, think about your activity levels. Um, think about, you know, what you need to do, what the demands on your body are. Is this a recovery day? 
for maybe some people that are in the more higher fitness levels, like, hey, they're on a periodization program. Is this my recovery day? What do I I'm, I should be structuring my plate slightly different than on a, like maybe an aerobic day or an anaerobic day or a max strength day. So I should be thinking through all these things. And then just think about your daily activity level. Like, how many times am I going to eat today? Like, am I going to get a chance to, am I going to be in the car for 14 hours? Um, what's the likelihood? Hey, this is for the, the police officers. You know, if, if there's something going on, like, hey, listen, there's a reason, uh, there's an elevated maybe risk today. There's a higher risk for, um, you know, maybe some contingency to happen or I'm going to have to work uh, longer hours. Well, how, let's forecast that and let's, uh, let's plan for those types of things. So the quantity that you're, quantity that you're going to need and then the timing that you're going to have it essentially when, what are those triggers? What are those reminders of uh, when you should be fueling? Like I said before, you know, usually by the time you're, you're thirsty or hungry, you're kind of too late. So it sounds like planning is a real strong emphasis on, on success and that are a huge, that's a huge component of it. Right. And, and, and that's not a surprise. Uh, I don't think to anybody that you have to plan in order to be successful, because if you're not planning, you're just, it's luck, right? <laughs> I guess that's the difference yeah. between luck and success or, uh, uh, luck and work is that you fall face first into luck, but you plan for success. So what are the things you do, you recommend, or that you, uh, encourage people to do to help them with the, this is going to sound silly, maybe the planning to plan. How do you how do you work that in your day? What are the things, the specific things people can do uh, around planning? Is it you know, whatever it is, either apps or, or journaling or um, you know, uh, I don't know. Is there <laughs> working with the family? How is that? Because that's a struggle for everybody. It is. Um, it's always good. I mean, you said journaling, and I, I, this kind of ties a little bit into planning. That the, not that this is a requirement. If people are disciplined enough to even just write down what they they eat for three days in a row, like everything. What did, what did they eat and drink for three days in a row? What a lot of people notice is that it's, it, it, it varies. Um, even like the calories, it varies. I noticed this about myself in the military is that I would, um, when it came to Monday, I would, well, when it came to like basically Thursday or Friday, Saturday, I definitely had some cheat meals. I over probably overate, ate more than I than I needed or should have, which is happens on the weekends. Um, Sunday, I started thinking and about the meals I needed to uh, plan. I'm like almost feeling like a little bit of penance, like I need to do some penance, or you know, for for like how many um, the you know cheat meals I had, or how many you know extra buffalo wings I had, or or whatever it was. Right. Um, and then and then I would restrict. I wasn't even putting enough calories in to keep my energy levels up on, like, say, Monday or Tuesday. Like, I just wasn't putting enough in. Um, Wednesday, I'd probably be, uh, you know, back to exactly where I needed to be. Maybe Thursday, exactly where I needed to be. And then, okay, then I'd go back on Friday. I'd probably go heavy on the calorie side. So I didn't realize, but, I'm, you know, obviously we're doing a lot of physical uh, and, and rigorous work on, like, every training day. Like, we're still Mondays, Tuesdays, you know, Wednesdays. But I wasn't optimizing my energy. And if I didn't write that all down, I wouldn't have noticed that there was a difference. Um, you know, fundamentally, I would say, yeah, I went out to eat over the weekend and, you know, I drank some, you know, I drank some beers. Like, and so I, I clearly wasn't as doing everything I needed to do. Um, but I also didn't realize that I was like calorie restricting. I was restricting the amount of, I wasn't eating enough food to optimize energy. So, you know, you brought up journaling. I actually think that that's, it's not a bad thing. Just write down what you, what you ate for three consecutive days. You can do it for a week. That's great. Um, recognize on how many, what you would call like, say cheat meals or the ones that you were like, Hey, and why did those happen during those days? Well, I hit McDonald's here. I use McDonald's as an example because I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking, Hey, somebody's in their car. They got to get a quick meal and they, they see something there like a fast food restaurant. Hey, I cheated here, here, and here. Um, why did that happen? You know, it, it might give you a, a little bit of insight into your lifestyle. It might give you a little insight into maybe some, I don't say, um, some challenges with your job um, that come up and they're probably same every week. And like now we can start talking about how to offset that stuff. Um, I know everybody is like really, everybody who listens to this podcast is going to be really busy and 
they're tactical athletes, they're working, they're, they have challenging, difficult jobs, whether you're a police officer, or firefighter, military. So, you know, the pre-planning um, is, is, impor- is important. Um, if you can find time to um, prep, prep meals for the week, you know, for me personally, I, I spend a lot of time on, on Sunday. Not a lot of time, but I, I'll spend two hours on a Sunday, um, you know, kind of pre-planning um, my meals. Um, and I don't get overly complicated with it, but if you're you're making salads for the week or you make one big salad and it's already done, well, you're actually saving. People would argue and say two and a half hours is a lot to spend or two hours or an hour and a half is a lot to spend, but you're going to spend – twice as much time during the week trying to figure out what you're going to eat or figure out that you're hungry or changing your schedule because you have to go somewhere to buy some food. So you're actually, it actually becomes a time saving because I'm, I'm up early when we do training courses this week, for example, I'm like up every day at like five and I'm out the door by five thirty. You know, I made my breakfast every morning. Like I made like little, um, I took like an um, egg or a muffin, like a cupcake type of, or muffin pan, and I put, you know, I made like eight different egg, um, like egg, like souffles mm-hmm. and I put some vegetables in them and then I had, I was good all week. You know, I can take two of those every single day. I'm getting like five or six eggs. I get some vegetables. I got some fat in there and I'm going, I'm having a cup of coffee. I'm drinking water on the way in. And then that just saves me time all week long. And I feel like I'm more effective, but that was just one little simple thing that I did. It took literally you know, five minutes to prepare and 20 minutes in the oven and then I'm good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the rest of the, <clears throat> you know, other meals like the salads, once again, if you don't, if you don't have access to a cafeteria or chow hall, then, you know, you have that, you know, salads pre-made, you know, I think the hardest thing sometimes is getting, is getting protein and finding protein. I mean, you can go to food stores now and just, if you don't want to like sit there and cook things up or make chicken or get tuna fish or, um, you know, get a piece of fish or have some lean protein. If you don't want to do any of those things, then, well, you can go to a supermarket now and almost every supermarket has those things pre-cooked. You know, you might pay a little bit more money for it, but once again, you're not, you're not eating out and you can kind of prep all that protein for the week and you have everything lined out. Um, like you said, we talked earlier about fruit. Um, I always have some, some bars on me. Um, and I'm, Basically, I just try to pack as much food on me as possible, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I can and when I leave for the day because I know that I'm working for, you know, 10, 11 hours. And when I come back, I, I, you know, I might not be able to kind of go out um, or, you know, if we're running our, one of our education cha- uh, sessions or training sessions, I might not get an opportunity to go to lunch. They might have, they might have some questions. They might have to do some, you know, t- talking with people during, during the lunch hour, um, you know, when I was in the military, it's like you don't have an opportunity to go out. Everyone knows you kind of get pulled into different meetings. So, I mean, it all comes into preparation. But it, it, it's like everybody's used to planning. As a tactical athlete, everybody's used to planning. Um, everybody's used to, uh, you know, planning missions or operations or everything. So they can kind of just put, apply to some of those same principles. Do you have any uh, specific things about meal planning that you do to, to make it easier to streamline that process? Uh, one thing I'm working on right now that I've found to be really helpful but i haven't perfected it is uh keeping track of what i what i do what i do plan for a week and the shopping list that corresponds to it in a in a google doc right and then i eventually have four five six weeks full worth of meals and i can just repeat that entire list um and that seems to be a that again not perfect yet but it seems to be it's going to be a huge lifesaver do you have anything like that that you do or that you use or do you just eat the same meals over and over um, no, I actually don't. Um, with O2X, we have a, um, a bunch of nutrition chefs. So they're always coming up with things that are like extremely creative and like for one, they're easy, uh, two, they're really cheap. Um, they're quick, um, and they're really effective and they really help like, you know, stabilize your blood sugar and, and kind of provide optimum energy. So I'm, I guess we're a little lucky with that. Um, but they, we put that stuff, we have a mobile app, um, we have a lot of things online through our social media page at O2X. So we don't really hide any of those things. You know, we, we put it out to the community so people can find those little quick tips and recipes. Um, we do a lot of team meals for the firefighters because they want to, they want to all cook for a team of seven or 10. Um, so we put those out and, uh, you know, 
just you know lucky that we have like nutrition chefs that are that are thinking about tactical athletes thinking about limited limited time limited um uh, like say you know cheaper cheaper meals um quick meals things like that so um, we put that all out on our social media, but it's you know, we have breakfast, lunch options, uh, you know, protein shakes. Um, you know, sometimes uh, I order, I like pre-order. You can pre-order your groceries online in a lot of places, so that already has your grocery list saved. So you're kind of saving time on that one. I, I like I I love doing that. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of going to the grocery store, um, so I'll order everything online. And then my grocery list is already saved, and I just hit repeat. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, that's a that's a great idea if you have that service in your area. So one of the things I want to touch on too is you know the 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 seals are famous for for the mental stuff that it takes, right? And that seems to be where the line is drawn between a lot of other um, a lot of other specialties, but also just kind of the people in general that that getting through something like buds isn't really a physical challenge. It's a mental challenge. Um, that seems to be the going consensus from other seals we've talked to on the show and, and other podcasts that I listen to. And it's the, the, that mental fortitude. Um, what do you guys teach, um, the tactical athletes in terms of the, the, the mental strength and mental resilience, either how to build it or how to maintain it or, um, how to utilize it. Yeah, well, I mean, mental performance and readiness is is a huge topic. Um, you know, we spend a couple hours on it in our workshops. Um, we're trying to teach people how to build resilience. Um, I think that the um, also we talk a lot about mindsets, like fixed fixed and growth mindset. I don't know if you guys have talked about that on your show before. Uh, we touched on um, it. Yeah, the book by Carol Dweck, right, and um, stuff like that. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, so it's it it really is is um you know understanding that um you know setting be able to effectively set goals um to kind of hold you know, yourself and others accountable um to be able to focus on uh not only your you know not only the things that you're good at but the things that you you know you're being real with yourself and focus on some of your weaknesses um uh, the growth mindset is is really huge uh visualization um thinking how um you know you want things to go I think self-regulation is another thing. It's like these, these things are becoming, and maybe in the SEAL teams or when people are performing at high levels, they're very, it's an unconscious competence, right? There's these things that are, that they just do. Maybe not even recognize that they actually do them, mm-hmm. right? Like, like breathing is a big one to be able to self-regulate, to understand on a tactical level and then also chronically when you're in a high-stress situation and to be able to effectively breathe. Like what do I need to accomplish right now? What is the next step? not getting overwhelmed by these huge monumental tasks and kind of breaking things down into little small pieces. Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, it's, uh, I think those factors are, uh, imp- really, really important. Um, that, you know, it, it helps focus. It helps deliver focus. It helps reinstill why you're motivated for things. I don't know if we, you know, I think that, the SEAL teams are, you know, it's a self-selecting group. Um, you get a lot of people that aspire to do that. And I think that, uh, you know, people that are not 100% committed, you know, they get, you know, they get weeded out pretty, pretty quick because you have to, you definitely have to find your motivation and know why you're going to do, why you're doing something, why you care about this. If you're passionate about it, you're truly committed to it. You really care about what you're doing. You have focus. It takes a lot of discipline to, you know, come up with a, 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 like a plan to prepare, like preparation helps, but you can't, I think, uh, you know, help out some people that have had have gone to training before. And a lot of it's like they try to prepare for everything and you just have to have confidence in yourself that whatever comes at you, that you'll be able to adapt to it. Um, you'll be able to kind of, you know, trust yourself, trust your previous training that, you know, you will kind of persevere through whatever gets thrown at you. What are um, you know, some of the mistakes? What are some of the mistakes that tactical athletes make in their training or in their nutrition? Uh, well, one is probably not uh, thinking anything about the mental side. Um, you know, that would probably be the biggest one. I think it's progressive to think about mental performance and to think about training uh, in that way to understand um, 
that doesn't matter how high quality um, or high performer you are, stress affects everybody differently. Um, that zone that we're that we're trying to get everybody to operate in all the time, it requires a certain level of activation, a certain level of stress to get into that zone. So not all stress is bad. I mean, stress is where you know your mind and body truly adapt to grow. We stress our muscles, you know, to then recover. Well, they perform. You know that we're we're adva- we're advancing that. Um, you know, so to kind of think through, you know, you, the way you would think of stress in your body, you'd also think of stress in your mind too. So there's a certain level of activation to kind of get you in the zone to perform at high levels and then recognize that when you are, um, like overly stimulated that it also could, it could lead to underperformance, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you're understimulated that that could also lead to underperformance, that which is understimulated would be like what complacency, Right. So we're talking about high levels of performance um, to be able to have the right amount of stimulus to focus on mental performance, I think, is something that we could, you know, we all it's new, it's unique. Um, focus on breathing, um, focusing on managing stress. I'd say tactical athletes as a whole, focusing on your thrive component and building resilience is something that not a lot do. A lot of them, everybody focuses on the physical fitness aspect, um, the, the um which is which is fine, but a lot of mistakes that we see is that people that are over overtraining, right? There's like overreaching and overtraining. Like overreaching, you know, your you know your body might be at a stress state. You you know uh, continue to stress yourself. You dip down onto that sub suboptimal performance, and you can kind of pop back up and recover. But then when you're overtraining, you you're already in a stress state, and you drive yourself down far. You, it's hard to recover from that. So to, to prevent overtraining, um, to understand the value of a rest day and recovery. Um, and then, you know, I'd say the importance of nutrition is a, is a big component. And the number one is sleep. Um, you know, we weight our pillars all the same, you know, our eat, sweat and thrive, eat, sweat and thrive is our methodology at O2X, eat being nutrition, sweat being uh, conditioning, thrive being sleep, stress and resilience. And we weight them all the same. Uh, however, I would say sleep, if I had to weight one any more than the other and say who what's the most important, like you've got to nail the sleep, um, you know, to understand, you know, the impacts of it physiologically, um, you know, when you're not getting sleep and, you know, when you are getting amount of sleep and how, how that affects performance um, is, is critical, um, some of the tactical athletes, they, they may be tra- traveling between time zones and understanding the effects of that. Um, the working night shift, understanding your circadian rhythm and understanding, hey, you know, uh, what are the effects of, of say, you know, um, you know my, my, my work schedule, um, my 24 hours on, 24 hours off or, or whatever that may be. Um, building good habits, um, you know, I would say building good habits of um, – um, and a mindset of making sleep uh, a priority and saying, hey, this is job preparedness for me. If I make sleep a part of job preparedness um, and understand that this is a very critical function, just like a, a, like a, a surgeon would. You, know, you don't want a, a surgeon um, to be operating on um, you know, like, like no sleep you know, while they're performing a very intricate operation and and the same goes for tactical athlete space. There's something. There's certain things that you just can't do about. I get it. Um, you got shift work. You got to pull other shifts. You take advantage of it. So you just got to get it when you can. Um, if you got to take naps, that's recommended um, to do that. But there's certain amount of sleep and there's certain amount of REM that you need to properly recover, have the right amount of cognitive function, perform at high levels. Simply put. Excellent. So, Adam, where can people f- learn more about what O2X does, where they can f- maybe uh, find out if they're able to attend a seminar, bring a seminar to their department, or uh, learn from you if they're just not in your area? Yeah, so that you can go to O2X.com. So that's O as in like oxygen or VO2 max. Um, so O2X.com on there, we have a list of our, our workshops uh, that are up, that are coming up. Uh, most of them are filled right now, um, but you also can outreach for uh, bring a workshop to your department. Uh, we work across the country. Um, we're all across uh, North America, so feel free to to reach out. We'd be happy to, you know, come out there and do a uh, do a face to face or answer any phone calls or emails they have. So they can contact at info 
at o2x.com and reach out to us directly. Uh, go to our website um, and find out any details they want. You and go to our so- social pages as well. So they can, we have on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Where are those? Where are they? Uh, are you just at o2x? At o2x, yep. And you mentioned a mobile app. How do we track that down? Is that in iTunes? Uh, it is in it is in iOS and uh, Android, uh, but it is a, uh, a subscription uh, model. So sometimes a huge department cannot put everybody through the workshop. Completely understandable. They can reach out to us at info at o2x.com, and we can kind of get them set up with the right structure. Because clearly, there's four thousand police officers. We can we're not going to put them all through the workshop. Nor is there, you know, my, a funding line for that. Uh, but what we could do is put a bunch of ambassadors through. Um, start chipping away at uh, the rest of the department, getting people through our training course, and then put everybody on the uh, the mobile app, which has uh, 24/7 reach back to our specialists and any any qu- answer any questions that you have. Awesome, Adam. Thanks for being on the show, Adam Larue of O2X.com or of O2X O2X.com is your website. Um, thanks for being here, man. I think there's a lot of good information. That sleep. We've had uh, your friend and my friend, Dr. Kirk Parsley, on the show who has uh, beaten that into us uh, to, about the importance of that. And uh, I, I personally can't, can't agree more about uh, how much that and shift work plays a role in our performance and our attitude, our mental health, all those things. Um, hey, thanks. Thanks, Garrett. I appreciate it. And, and so really it's all the, um, you know, the first responders and tactical athletes out there, you know, I mean, we just, we feel lucky that, you know, we're, we're getting out there and, and training the heroes that are, that are protecting us every day. So just want to thank everybody that's out there, you know, keeping up the good fight. Awesome. Thanks, Adam, for being on. All right. Thanks for listening to The Squad Room. If you like what you heard today, if you got something out of the conversation, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. I read each and every one of them. But more importantly, it really helps spread the word about the show. At least so I've been told. Uh, if you heard something you know a friend or a loved one needs to hear, please tell them about the show. You can go to thesquadroom.net and email this episode directly to them. To keep up to date, you can text The Squad Room to 44222 to get signed up for our mailing list directly from your phone. Not while you're driving, of course. But maybe you need to pull over and text The Squad Room to 44222. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at The Squad Room or on Facebook. And if you want to reach out, ask a question, start a conversation, email is garrett at thesquadroom.net. That's Garrett with two R's, two T's. Lastly, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Audible.com with over 180,000 titles in their inventory. Audible has hundreds of audiobooks that apply to us. If it's a slow shift, a long commute, audiobooks are a great way to continue your education after, of course, you've listened to The Squad Room. To get a free, free, nothing, no no strings attached, free 30-day trial and a free, free, no strings attached audiobook of your choice, go to audibletrial.com forward slash The Squad Room to sign up. All right, it's crazy out there, people. Until next time, take care of each other and stay safe.